Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, hey, y'all. Good morning. Today, we're continuing our series called Different. Get used to di- anybody getting used to different by the, by this time I hope so because we're like what part fourteen into the series <laughs> but before we get into that I just want to say thanks so much for being here today you could have been anywhere and you chose to be here with us and for that I'm I'm truly grateful thank you so much and if you're joining us online I want to say hey to you too thanks for being with us it's great to hear the word of God even if it's over the internet but if you ever have a chance to be here with us in person I highly encourage you to do so and for those of you who don't know me my name's Kate and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission to make a difference, right? We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. And that's awesome. So let's continue this series because it's basically about following Jesus because that's the best way that I can help you know God. I'll show you what I mean in our core scripture for this series, which we've read every week. Because Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Man, we're going to do a deep dive into the scripture right here today, and it's going to be so good. It's going to, ooh, ooh, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Anyway, but God is revealed through Jesus. So if we want to get to know God, then we got to get to know Jesus. And thankfully, they gave us four entire books of the Bible to help us get to know Jesus. We call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And through this series, we're working through the book of John. And what we found out is that the way of Jesus is is different. It's maybe It's definitely different than the world, and it's even different than what... Some churches are doing, right? So when you follow Jesus yourself, people are going to think that you're different. Well, that's okay, because we're all different together. You're, you're uh, in a room full of different people. <laughs> and Beth and I were just talking the other day about how often we get odd looks from people because of how different we live our life. We get a lot of odd looks. Um, they just can't quite seem to figure us out. And you know, it's actually kind of fun to keep them guessing. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. So go ahead and look at somebody next to you and say, I just can't quite figure you out. well y'all let's pray and invite the holy spirit holy spirit you're welcome here you are the spirit of truth and we invite your truth in this place today god speak through me i submit to you in jesus name amen amen all right last week we found out that all human control is ungodly It's ungodly to try to control somebody else. It's ungodly to even try to control your own life, right? Instead, we should be looking to give God full control. You know, what's interesting about this is that God can't have control unless you give it to him. You know, some people think that God's in control regardless. And although he could be, that's not how he chose to work things. He gave us free will. So the only way he can have control in your life is if you invite him in to have control of your life. That's good stuff. And when it comes to controlling others, you know, that's just the devil's playbook. Um, It could even be categorized as witchcraft, if you look up the definition of witchcraft. And we're talking about slavery. I think we'd all agree that that's not a good thing. But it even goes so far as like the whole, you know, trying to make you wear a mask, trying to make you get a vaccine. That's ungodly control, and we shouldn't have any part of it. Can we determine what the government is going to do regarding these things? No, but we can determine ourselves not to join that and be a part of that. Because anytime we try to control others, we're stepping outside of God's will and we're helping Satan. We're going in with his plan. And I sure hope you haven't bought into the hype of thinking that somehow controlling others is going to help our nation because it's a bunch of BS, if I'm allowed to say that. It's not going to work. It's going to fail. 
And one of the specifics we learned last week is that we should never try to control somebody else's money. Wasn't that a fun discussion? Right? I mean, we shouldn't allow ourselves to think things like, I can't believe that they bought that car. Like, they should have used that money for the poor, right? Anybody think those things? I've I've been there. I've thought those things. The truth is, though, when you fuss about how somebody else is spending money, you're revealing greed in your own heart. Only greedy people care how other people spend their money. Think about it. How many generous people do you know who are complaining about how other people spend their money? They don't have time for that. They're not doing that because they're trying to figure out ways to be more generous, right? I don't have time to think about how you're spending your money because I got to look at my look at myself and say, am I being generous? And I know this isn't a fun truth, but when you grab a hold of it, that you have no right to complain about how somebody else is spending their money, it's going to set you free in a way that you've never experienced before. And that's why I want to reveal that truth to you. Instead, you should always be asking yourself, am I being generous? Am I being generous? It doesn't matter what they're doing. Because if they do something wrong, you don't have to answer for it. <laughs> All right, you probably had enough of that, so I should probably move on. <laughs> All right, now we're towards the end of chapter 12 in the book of John. Jesus is wrapping things up. He's about to be arrested and killed and taken to the cross, but he has some things to say first. And we should really perk up and listen because these are the last words that Jesus says before he goes to the cross. So he's probably about to tell us something really important, isn't he? And he addresses two different groups of people. And first he talks to those who don't yet believe in him. And then he gets one-on-one with the disciples and he talks directly to them. So let's start with the first group. What are Jesus's last words to those who don't yet believe in him? And you find this in John chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus cried out and he said, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Sound a little familiar, maybe like our core scripture for this series, right? What we just read. So in his last message to those who don't yet believe in Jesus, he's once again confirming, he's saying, hey, Me and God are one. God and Jesus are one. We're the same thing, bro. Right? And the reason he has to say this over and over and over again is because the people that he was talking to, they likely believed in God. Yeah, I believe there's a God, but they were having a struggle with Jesus. They just were having a hard time believing in Jesus. And here's what he says next. He says, I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So once again, he's solidifying what he's been teaching us all along. When you believe in Jesus... You follow Jesus, right? It does no good to say you believe in Jesus if you're going to continue to walk in darkness. Like, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. And for clarity, though, you're not saved by your good behavior. We get off on that somehow. You're not. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from the wrong that you've done, and you receive that by faith. It's a free gift to you. But when you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, you no longer walk in darkness. You walk in the light as he is in the light. So Jesus then goes on to say something that people like to pull out of context. Don't you love these verses that people like to pull out of context? Here it is. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. All right. We're off the hook, right? Jesus didn't come to judge us, but to save us. And that is so true. That is why he came, to save us. The crazy thing is, though, people so badly want to continue living in sin and say that they believe in Jesus that they stop right here. They don't even read the next verse because the next verse is about to clear it all up for us. Are you ready? Leave it to Jesus. He'll make it clear. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Oh, apparently judgment's still a thing. 
If you reject Jesus, you will be judged by what he said. And he has said some pretty tough things. <laughs> but why does he say these things? Why does he say, whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness? Here's why he says these things. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Everything that Jesus says is from God. And everything that God tells him to say leads to eternal life. So when Jesus tells unbelievers, hey, we don't abide in darkness, it's because it leads them to eternal life. Remember, this is his last chance before he dies to lead them to salvation. And he makes three points for them. And this is the salvation message according to Jesus. He says, you can't know God without Jesus. Number two, when you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. And number three, judgment is coming for those who reject Jesus. This is our example of a salvation message. If you want to lead people to Jesus, then these are the three things you got to cover. All three of them. It can't be all sunshine and rainbows. Like Jesus didn't make people feel good about their sin. He saved people from their sin. He set them free from their sin so they no longer have to walk in darkness. So now that Jesus is finished with his final words to those who don't yet believe in him, he shifts his focus and he talks to the disciples. And it's interesting because he has a lot more to say to the disciples. His conversation is a lot longer with them. So if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, these are his last words to you. You are a disciple of Jesus. This is him talking to you. This is Jesus putting a wrap on everything he's taught us already. He's saying, it all comes down to this, y'all. Pay attention. I'm about to wrap it up for you. And how does he start this most important meeting with the disciples? Probably not how you would expect. He fills up a water basin. He wraps a towel around his waist. And he washes the disciples' feet. All 12 of them. Or I guess that would be 24 feet, right? Why does he do this, though? Why? He said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do, that, do as I have done to you. you got to love how Jesus starts this whole thing off by addressing something that we all struggle with. We want people to serve us. Like, if the restaurant gets my order wrong, I am upset. I want people to serve me. We want, we want to be in charge. We want people to honor us because of our education and our accomplishments. We want to be important. In other words, we're consumed with elevating ourselves. And Jesus here, he comes and he puts a hard stop to all of it. And he gives us an example. Hey, I'm going to get down here and wash your dirty feet as an example, because this is what you need to do to each other. In other words, to follow Jesus, I must humble myself and serve others. You know, Jesus even washed Judas's feet, the disciple that was about to betray him. And he knew, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and he washed his feet anyway. If we're going to follow Jesus, we don't just serve those who deserve it. We also serve those who don't deserve it. With the same joyful attitude, right? <laughs> Choose joy, anybody? Choose joy. After the foot washing, Jesus gives the disciples a new commandment, and really, it just solidifies everything that he just taught them through the foot washing. And he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Well, how do we love each other? We serve each other, right? Just like Jesus showed us. And then he goes on to say, by this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's take a moment to let the details of this scripture sink in. Jesus is talking to who here? The disciples, right? He's talking to us. He didn't tell them to love everyone. 
He told them to love one another. I've been a part of the church my whole life. I grew up in church, and I've been in church leadership for over 13 years now. And I can't tell you how many times I've watched church people fuss at other church people for all kinds of things. You don't care enough about missions. You don't care enough about this. Blah, 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 blah. On and on it goes. Christians love to gripe at other Christians. Yet here, Jesus is telling us that if we do a good job of loving each other, all will know that we are his disciples. This tells me that the opposite is also true. If we suck at loving each other, nobody will know (laughs) that we are his disciples, right? And if nobody knows, how in the world do we expect our programs and our outreaches to actually reach the loss if we're in here sucking it up at loving each other, right? Why are we fussing at each other? Why? (laughs) Why are we fussing at each other? We're here on the same mission. We're here to do this together. Are we going to agree on everything? No, sure not. But instead of fussing at each other, how about instead of fussing at our other followers of Jesus, how about we get down on our knees and we wash their feet, especially the ones we don't agree with, especially the ones that are rubbing us wrong, and even the ones that might betray us later on. We shouldn't be fussing at them. We should be serving them. That's what Jesus asked us to do. Even when you don't agree, even when you don't like how they act, even when you don't like what they say, even when you don't like how they smell, serve them. Don't fuss at them. And don't let this truth sneak by you. Jesus is more concerned with how we treat each other than how we treat the world. Because when we love each other, all will know that we're followers of Jesus. And let me put it to you this way. To follow Jesus, I must love and serve his church. Have you ever heard somebody say, I I don't need to be a part of a church. I can just get in my prayer closet at home and have my relationship with God. And I get why they're saying this. They're probably fed up with American Christianity. Anybody else? But the answer is not to abandon God's people. The answer is to love and to serve his church as imperfect as it is. The church needs you. You are a part of the body of Christ. So next, Jesus has to clarify something for the disciples and that he's already said many times. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one there. I'm like, I feel like I've said that a hundred times and people still aren't getting it. Jesus had to do it too. And he even just said it to the group of unbelievers that we were talking about earlier. Like even the disciples were still having a hard time understanding that God and Jesus were one. They're having a hard time with it. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you get to know Jesus, you get to know God. Nevertheless, Philip once again asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, will you show us the Father? And here's how Jesus responds. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Come on. Like, get it through your thick skull. Jesus is in the Father. The Father is in Jesus. Jesus and the Father are one. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. (laughs) Jesus didn't speak on his own authority. He spoke what the Father told him to speak. Jesus didn't work miracles on his own. It was the Father dwelling in him who was working the miracles. Why is Jesus so intent on making sure that we understand this? I didn't count them, but I'm pretty sure he said it at least 10 times in the book of John in different ways. Why? 
Well, here's why. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus wants you to understand that it was the Father working through him to perform miracles. It was the Father. This shows you that you can do what Jesus did. And not only that, but now you can do greater things than what Jesus did. But you can only do these things when you realize that it was the Father working these things through Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus was superhuman. He wasn't, y'all. He was human, just like we are. It's because he fully submitted himself to God that he was able to work those miracles. He wants to make sure that you get this. Hey, y'all, it was God working through me, and he can work through you. Would you get out there and do the same things that I did? Wait a minute. I want you to do greater things than I did. Man. You can't do this in your own power, though, just like Jesus couldn't do it in his own power. He worked miracles, and he spoke mind-boggling truth simply because he submitted himself to God. That's why. And Jesus wants you to do the same, and that's why Jesus says this next. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Anything. Wow. Once you fully submit yourself to God, you can ask him for anything, and he'll do it. I wonder if any of us will ever be bold enough to fully believe this scripture and to walk in it. I hope so. I do. How about we start by getting our minds around this? To follow Jesus, I must do greater works than Jesus. This sounds strange to say, but it's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. It's not that we are greater than Jesus. That's foolish. Of course we're not. Yet we have the same power working on the inside of us. And when we come together and operate in that power, we do greater works than what Jesus did. And next, Jesus goes on to explain how this is possible. Because you may be thinking that right now. You're like, wow, how is this possible? Well, Jesus is going to explain it to us. You don't get there by accident. You actually have to do a few things first. Number one, obey God by keeping his commandments. And number two, receive the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, where does this come from? Well, Jesus told us three times. It's coming up. You ready? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then for clarity, he says it again in different words, just a few verses down. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. So now you know, obeying God is a prerequisite for seeing the power of God. All of a sudden, it makes sense why we haven't been seeing many miracles in the American church for decades now. I mean, obedience to God is not really on the top of the list of things that we hear at church. We don't talk about it very much at all. And in case you're still not getting it, he says it a third time, just to make sure that you're understanding. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him and we'll make our home with him. Wow. Is obedience important? If you want God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to come make their home with you, then yes. It's a requirement. If you want the Holy Spirit working in your life, obedience to God's word is a requirement. If you want the power of God to be made manifest in your life, then obedience to God is a requirement. The American church has settled for grace without obedience. When we chose to tolerate sin in the name of grace, we dismissed the power of God. 
In other words, the power of God cannot exist alongside disobedience. It just can't. Let me put it to you this way. Grace without obedience invites human weakness. Obedience because of grace invites the power of God. In the next chapter of John, Jesus keeps driving this truth home. He's like, I told you three times, now I'm going to tell you a parable for those of you that still aren't understanding. And here's what he says. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away <laughs> like a useless branch and withers. Jesus, that's mean. <laughs> Man, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Well, I hope it's a good bonfire at least, right? But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for any, there it is again, anything you want and it will be granted. But is there a prerequisite? Well, there is. His word's got to remain in you. Jesus wants to make sure we get this, that we're useless without obedience to his word. Just, we're useless. Might as well just throw us away. We're useless without obedience. So he says it again. And this time, (laughs) he ties love and obedience together. Is that possible? Love and obedience together in the same scripture? He says, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me, so remain in my love. (sighs) Ah. But how do we remain in your love, Jesus? Well, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. The more I read the Bible, the more I study the Bible, the more it blows my mind that the church ever fell for the teaching of sloppy grace. I was like, how did we fall for that? Apparently, we weren't reading the Bible for ourselves. That we can somehow believe in Jesus and yet live in darkness without consequence. What? Apparently, Jesus knew we had fall for it because in his last words, these, remember, these are his last words, the last thing I got to tell you guys, and how many times did he say it? Well, he just said it five times. Obedience is important. I need you all to obey the word. I need the word to abide in you. He says it over and over again. He says that grace without obedience invites human weakness. Y'all are worthless without obedience, and obedience because of grace invites the power of God. And after working so hard to get this across to the disciples, they were probably a little bit, huh. You know, maybe you're feeling that way right now, too. So Jesus gives us some good news. (laughs) Here it comes. He says, I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's the good news, y'all. Obedience to God is not a sorry, pitiful life. Obedience to God brings great joy into your life. And it's a good thing because we need an overdose of joy to handle what Jesus tells us next. He only gives us a one-verse break. (laughs) He says, I chose you to come out of the world, so... It hates you. Good thing obedience brings great joy into our lives because apparently we're not going to get it from the world. They'll hate us for being obedient to the word of God. Anybody found that to be true? Wait a minute. I thought that we were supposed to get the world to like us so they would come to our church. (laughs) But Jesus is telling us that they're going to hate us whenever we do what he told us to do. Wait a minute. Well, it gets even worse. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they're doing a holy service for God. Not only will the world hate us, but the religious people will hate us as well. And you know what? That really isn't uplifting, Jesus. Can we go back to the joy scripture? Why is Jesus telling us this stuff? Well, he tells you why. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Persecution is not fun. It makes you think you're doing something wrong. 
especially when you grew up with American Christianity, where supposedly you're doing something wrong if people get upset when you share the word of God. But the truth is, when you follow Jesus, the world's going to hate you. Religious people are going to hate you. And that's why Jesus gave us the commandment to love each other, right? Because we're going to need each other if everybody else is hating us. And that's also why we need the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He leads us into all truth. He gives us peace in the midst of all the hatred. And here's how Jesus explains the role of the Holy Spirit. This is so good. I mean, these chapters of the book of John, you're just like, wow. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Wow, that's something. Like, I don't think I've ever heard a teaching on the Holy Spirit's role to convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I thought the Holy Spirit was here to give us the feel-goods. All kidding aside, though, this is really beautiful. I mean, if there was nothing to convict us of sin, we wouldn't know our need for a Savior. And it's a gift to be convicted of sin. Jesus knew this statement would be a bit shocking, so he goes on to explain what he meant. He says, the Holy Spirit will convict of sin because they do not believe in me. So it's a gift. When you don't believe in Jesus, he convicts you of sin so that you know that you need a Savior. And of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness because we're going to need some help to walk in righteousness because we don't get to walk side by side with Jesus like the disciples did. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So when you don't believe in Jesus, you run the risk of living in sin without even knowing that you need a Savior. And that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and leads us into righteousness so we can walk free and clear on Judgment Day because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's just one of the many things that the Holy Spirit gives us. Here's another. He says, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So if you want truth, it's only found in the Holy Spirit. He only speaks what God tells him to speak. You're not going to find it on ABC News. You're not going to find it online on that article that you read. You're not going to find it in any person, no matter how popular or how expert they are. You're not even going to find complete truth with the CDC. The Holy Spirit's the only one that can lead us into all truth. If we're trying to look for truth without the Holy Spirit, well, at some point you're going to believe a counterfeit. And we can trust that the Holy Spirit will only give us truth. But you got to spend time with him, huh? got to spend time with him because he only speaks what he hears from God. And you know, there's a thread throughout this entire message today. Oneness or unity. You see, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one, right? You got to tell us that over and over again. We're invited to be one with Jesus. He wants us to abide in him, to be one with him. And we're commanded to be one with each other. So Jesus told us to be united with him and with each other. And what do we do? Somehow the American church gets off into trying to be united with the world. Oh, Jesus, you told us what to do, but we're going to try it our own way. We, I think ours is going to work better. What's the cost of that, though? When we pursue unity with the world, it destroys unity with God and unity with each other. It's no wonder the American church is so divided right now. It's been years in the making. Do we hate the world? Absolutely not. They might hate us, but we don't hate them. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. 
Because we love the world, we take the gospel to the world. We take the truth to the world. And we do this by following the example of Jesus, telling him those three things that I mentioned earlier. Number one, you can't know God without Jesus. Number two, when you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. And number three, judgment's coming, but only for those who reject Jesus. So I invite you today to believe in Jesus. When you do, you're forgiven of all your sin. And not only that, but you're freed from the power of sin so that you can be free from darkness and walk in the light as he's in the light. You also become part of our family, a group of believers that are here to love each other and to serve each other. We're not one is more important than the other, but we're all on the same team. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all in this together. So is there anybody here in the room today that's made the decision to believe in Jesus? I choose to believe in Jesus today. Maybe there's somebody watching online. You're saying, I choose to believe in Jesus today. That's what you do. You, you choose to believe in Jesus. And is there anybody who you already believed in Jesus today, but today you're like, you know what? I'm ready to step into complete obedience with Jesus so that the power of God can be made manifest in my life. If that's you, if you're ready to step into obedience, just raise your hand. Say, today I'm choosing obedience. Go ahead, raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. And finally, is there anybody who wants to receive the Holy Spirit? Awesome. Come on up here. Anybody else you want to receive the Holy Spirit today? Thank you, God. I bless you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> God, I want you to know that he loves you so much and he sees your heart and you're just a great treasure to him. There may be some regrets, but you don't have to hold on to any of those. He wants you to let them go right now. This isn't about what happened in the past, but this is about what, what's going to happen moving forward. So God, your word says that when I lay hands on her, she will receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I know she already has because of the way that her emotions are responding to this. So God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is filling her right now. You're going to get your prayer language. It's going to be amazing. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. So that overflowing joy, right? 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> There's nothing else that needs to happen here other than she might need to sit down. <laughs> There's a chair behind you, Brenda. Go ahead and sit down and just receive this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woohoo, I need a Kleenex. I got snot running down my face. We hold that for me. <laughs> All right, Brandon, come up here with me, please. Come here. Everybody reach your hands towards this guy. He's going through a real challenge right now. And I break that spirit of heaviness over you, man, in Jesus' name. Dude, I'm going to prophesy over this situation. And these words will come to pass. This will turn into nothing. When it gets before the authorities, they'll look at it and they'll say, this is trash. There is nothing here. This is a lie. They'll see the lie. And you don't even have to doubt it, man. You don't have to doubt it because that's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly how this is going to turn out. So you just keep your eyes forward. That's going to be the outcome of this. So Lord, we speak favor over Brandon and over Daisy and over Gracie in Jesus name, your favor, give them favor with man, God. And everybody they come encounter with, let them see the complete truth, the whole truth. Let every lie be exposed in Jesus' name. Let every lie be exposed. Every lie. No lie will prevail. But it will be exposed and destroyed. And those, those who have done it to you will be humiliated. And you will walk free and clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Wowza. Anybody else? <laughs> you want to come up for healing or for prayer? Or... The altar's open. Come on up if you have a need. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for the amazing work that happened today. We thank you for the truth that went forth. We thank you that it divided spirit and soul and it just enabled us to see, to get our mind out of the way and to see who you are, to see the truth. (laughs) God, you're so good. You love us so much. Lord, I bless every person in this room with the boldness and the wisdom that they need to go forth and do what you've called them to do. Lord, I see an army in this room that doesn't just gather on Sundays, but they, they come on Sundays to be filled, to be with their peeps, and then they go out into the world and they make a difference. And they lead people to Jesus at work and at school and in Quick Trip and wherever they go, they're laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. They're getting words of wisdom and words of knowledge to let people know that God sees them. God, I thank you that you're activating these spiritual gifts inside of every person in this room. And Lord, I ask that you stir our hearts to be passionate about obedience to you. That obedience isn't a burden, but obedience is a privilege. That obeying you is something that we get to do, not something that we have to do. And Lord, we give you the glory for the amazing things that you're doing through No Limits Church. And I just thank you that you're taking what's happening here and you're multiplying it everywhere.
You're sending us out and you're multiplying it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, if you gave your life to Jesus today, we want to walk with you through that journey, but we can't do that if we don't know. So we set up an easy way for you to tell us. You just text us at 918-373-9883. You can text us, let us know you got saved, you got filled with the Holy Spirit. You can text us your questions. You can text us that you need prayer. Just text us anything at that number, and we would love to hear from you. Now we have, I mean, this has been exciting already, but I even have one more exciting thing to do this morning, and I've kind of been antsy thinking about this all morning. Summer. Will you come up here, please? She's, she, she's surprised by this, but come on. I don't, I don't need you to say anything. I just have, I have something to tell you, actually. Yep. So it's been a couple months. I randomly had the, uh, the thought. They're like, I wonder if Summer wants to go to Rama. And then, I think it was like a month after that, Summer texts the church number. And she says, hey, what's Rama like? Yeah. I hadn't talked to her about it. I was like, so I told her. And uh, a couple weeks after that, I come into church on Sunday, and Tim Bell's up here getting ready to practice. And he's like, Kate, I need to talk to you. Ooh, he said it was like as important. I was like, okay, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so we go out and we talk, and he's like, have you ever thought about sending summer to Rama? I'm not even kidding. I was like, all right, God, I hear you. <laughs> How many times you got to tell me? So if you would like to receive the invitation, the, we, we would like to send you to Rhema. Yeah, well, here's, here's what, okay, so God, okay, so I sit there and my wheels turn. I'm constantly in my word and I'm obsessing in my word. And I get off the track sometimes, even in my word. But I apparently, that's where I'm supposed to go. So you're saying yes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's awesome. We love you, Summer. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, like, what is Rama? That's actually Bible school in Broken Arrow. So, man, I'm so excited for you. Whenever I went to Rama, like, it just turned my life upside down in a good way. I was, uh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So y'all, you get to be a part of that through your giving. We together are sending Summer to Rama. That's so awesome. And if you want to give today, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring in offering envelope or you can give online anytime. And how you do that is just type in nolimits.fyi into the address bar. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.